This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Welcome to episode 180 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hi. I'm just going to say that I'm glad this is not smell a vision. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because I just ate some dang onions and I brushed my teeth and scraped my tongue and. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear any of that. <laughs> okay. Ain't onions good, though? They're so good. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> all right, anyway. Yikes. Thanks to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for all that you do. Yes, and I think uh, a bunch of troops just went out. President Trump just uh, sent out a bunch of troops, so... Our prayers are with you guys, and thank you guys for keeping us safe. We love you so much, and we pray for you all every day. And, and we haven't mentioned it enough on the show uh, by any means, but big thoughts and prayers out to everybody in Australia. Oh they are just gosh. going through it right now. I am just, this is heartbreaking for them. This is heartbreaking. And they've already had a couple of volunteers, or at least one volunteer that lost his life over there trying to help. Well, that's where, uh, wait a minute, I'm thinking, maybe I'm not whole, I'm not mixed up, but a bunch of the firefighters are going over there from here. A bunch. Yeah, I know Canada sent a bunch of people yes. over. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, Canada sent a bunch of people Bless over. Bless your hearts, oh my gosh. We are praying for you all so bad, I just, I can't even... Say I can understand what you're going through because it's really just devastating. But you know, we just know a miracle will happen, and and uh, hopefully get all that under control. But we've been praying for you guys as well. Obviously, we got a lot of friends and, yes. and listeners over in Australia, so we just want you guys to know that we're thinking about you. And as every week, we would just want to let everybody know that if they're going through some troubled times, they're having suicidal thoughts. They're just struggling with life in general. Please talk to somebody, whether it be us, whether it be somebody in a group, whether it be friends, family, co-workers. Find somebody and talk to them. Yes, please do that. Don't think you're alone in the world because you're not. Yeah, you're definitely not. That's just part of the illness that makes you feel a certain way that's, you know, like paranoid or what have you. And that's not really how it is. So. I'll say it again. The world is a better place with you in it. Absolutely. All right. This story tonight. It's a haunted hotel. We ain't oh. done one of those before, have we? We've done several haunted hotels. I'm, being, I'm being sarcastic. I know. <laughs> Let me guess. It caught fire and there's a lady in white. <laughs> You're half right. Um, <laughs> A lady on white caught it on fire. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> See, I listen. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, you do. Okay. So I've always heard that, that when it comes to like haunted hotels in Texas anyway, that nothing tops the Jefferson Hotel. And we've done we've done that one. Yeah. It seems though that there's another hotel that might just give it a run for the money as the most haunted hotel in Texas. What is it? I'm not telling you. No. I'm just kidding. That would be the Menger Hotel in San Antonio. Oh, the Menger. Hmm. The Menger. So many of the places that we talked about on here have great history inside the building. And this hotel is going to be no exception. But this location has a hell of a story without the building, period. Just on the land. Ooh. The land that this hotel was built on is the site of the Alamo. Ah, interesting. And I don't want to get too much into the Alamo because we've already done an entire episode on it. It's episode 101 if you want to go back and check it out and get a lot of, lot more detail on that that situation. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Alamo, I'll give you like a little brief synopsis so you're not in the dark. The state of Texas was owned by Mexico in 1836, and Texans wanted to kind of break away so they could become their own you know, piece of property. So they started fighting for their independence. The bloodiest battle of this entire thing was in San Antonio at the Alamo in February of 1836. That's when General Santa Ana brought 4,000 soldiers to town. He was going to take down the fort. This would have been pretty easy, you would have thought, considering that the Alamo was just a little small group of Texas and Tejanos and a big group of volunteers. There was only 200 of them total. Oh, my gosh. So he brought 4,000 people. They had 200 people. Seems like a pretty unfair fight, 200 against 4,000. But with Davy Crockett and James Bowie on the 200 side, they were not going to go down without a fight. And they fought all the way up to March 6th, 1836, 13 long days. Pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah. That's when Santa Ana's troops kind of busted down the door with a uh, cannon and killed everyone inside. So, as we discussed in the Alamo episode, this whole area is riddled with ghosts. Everything from what's remaining of the Alamo building to all of the stores and hotels that are now in the area. Because it's like a little mall area, yeah. like strip mall and stuff around there. We told a few quick stories on that episode about the Menger, uh, but they have so much history that I thought it warranted its own episode. Because there really was just a couple of quick stories. Mm -hmm. Our story is going to start in the early 1840s. And that's when a German immigrant by the name of William A. Menger came to America and settled down in San Antonio. He was about 20 years old at the time. Youngin'. Yep. San Antonio at that time was pretty much known for, you know, its cattle more than anything Mm -hmm. else. A few years after he got there and got settled, he partnered up with Philip Dean, and he started the Western Brewery. Philip was also a fellow German, and it was a brewmaster, so it was a perfect combination for the two. Western Brewery was the very first brewery in the state of Texas, and by 1878, it was also the biggest in the state of Texas. This was partly because Menger bought out Naylor Brewery in 1868, who was his biggest competitor. 
And this is how he, he got his name as the Beer King. I said by 1878 they were the biggest brewery. I guess technically, at least for a little while, when they started, they were the biggest because they were the only one in town. So. <laughs> well, hey. But eventually, you know, others came and yeah. caught up and became bigger, but they took that back. Western Brewery had been built on the site of the Battle of the Alamo, which wasn't that long before that. No, not at all. This was not the only business built on the property. There was a widow by the name of Mary Gunther. She ran a boarding house that was on the other side of the brewery. So when Menger first moved to San Antonio, he didn't really know anybody, obviously. And Mary was one of the first people he met. And he stayed at her boarding house for the better part of three years while he was, you know, finding work and Mm -hmm. then eventually starting the brewery and all that stuff. Did they hook up? Well, they did fall in love. Uh, I like to... I like to call it falling in love, not hooking up. It's not like they met on Plenty of Fish. <laughs> plenty of fish. She didn't swipe, you know, right or anything. <laughs> Anyways, they got they decided to get married. And business-wise, it couldn't have been a better, you know, hookup for the couple. You said hookup. And you guys got on me for it. That's different. Ow. I was talking about for business hookup. Ow. <laughs> So much so that they decided that they were going to expand the boarding house and make it into a full-fledged hotel. Oh, nice. Well, it had 50 rooms and was beautiful. They hired an architect by the name of John Fries. It might be Fries. It's F-R-I-E-S, but I think that's pronounced Fries. They had him design this two-story, beautiful, stone-cut hotel that was completed on February 1st, 1859. The inside and the outside were both absolutely gorgeous with lots of attention spent on details. This hotel was so nice, eventually it became known as the finest hotel west of the Mississippi. Ooh, nice. I bet it was beautiful. Now, the brewery, brewery was also thriving, so William had a large cellar belt underneath of the hotel that was had uh, three-foot-thick stone walls where he could store and chill beer made by the brewery. So they kept that underneath of the uh, hotel. Mm-hmm. He also had a tunnel. Out. huh? He's got a tunnel? Yeah, he also had a tunnel built from the hotel to the brewery. Um, so hotel guests could actually walk over and sample and tour the brewery since it was well, thriving. Nice. So Good they kind of found a way to combine the two. Yeah. The hotel did so great that in its first three months of being open that they decided to expand the hotel to 90 rooms. Wow. So they had 50, and they decided to pretty much double it they after three months. They must have been making change there. They were booming. Unfortunately, the Civil War started, and that caused the business to suffer greatly. And by the mid-1860s, the Menger was forced to kind of shut down, Oh, man. Did they go on war? Had to run everything. At least they shut down for the paying guests. They decided, in an effort to show their support and help out with the war, they made it into a makeshift hospital. Oh, now see, that's really nice. Many of these soldiers who were admitted to the Menger, unfortunately, never checked out. Oh, God bless them. So are we following along here? I'm following. Following along. I'm sad right now. So now we're at a hotel that's had several people die from the Civil War inside of it. That was built on top of land that hundreds died on during the Alamo. Great. You see the direction we're going in yeah. here? What I, you know, I'm just thinking, what could go wrong here? What could possibly go wrong? 
I don't know. I would think in the afterlife, those uh, fellow people in the war would meet up. Like, what's up? Hi. Oddly enough, that will kind of happen <gasps> later. I just, just thought not, of that. But just not in the war that you're thinking of. Oh. So we're going to start with... Go me. William Menger passed away in the hotel in March of 1871. And that was just a few years after the war had ended, obviously. So how old was he at the time, I wonder, when he passed you away? You know what? I don't have an exact age, but he was uh, 20 years old when he was here in the 1840s. And he died in 1871, so that would put him in his 50s. Like 50s, yeah. yeah. Maybe upper 60s, So he wasn't yeah. very, he wasn't very well, he old. he wasn't very old at all. No. I wonder why he died. Well, that's a good question. You're right on top of your questions Thank you. Today. He was super beloved. Aww. By the city, first of all. It's the, nice to be beloved. He was sick, and, and it looked like he wasn't going to make it. And the paper actually printed this before he died. It said, our community can ill spare a gentleman of such public spirit, such enterprise, such generosity, and such wonderful energy. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, they, lo- they really loved him. The entire city grieved when Menger passed. And there was also some mystery behind his death because he had gotten very sick. But there was no autopsy performed, so they didn't have an exact cause as to why he died. So there is some some sort of a mystery as to what it actually was that he was sick with. Well, why in the world, if they loved him so much, would not do an autopsy to figure this out? I don't know. But they don't think any foul play, No, 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 not at all. Mary was quite the business person herself, though. And she was not going to give up running the business that her and William had built together. Mm -hmm. And that goes for both businesses. As a matter of fact, she even put an ad out in the paper shortly after William's death that said, and I quote, William's death would cause no change in affairs with either the hotel or the brewery. Mm. So the hotel had been reopened now to the public after the Civil War had ended. And the year after William's death, they said that they had 2,000 guests come through there. Daggone. That business would only get better because San Antonio decided that they were going to add a train depot station, which they did, and the railways and stuff just got better and better, so there was a lot more traffic coming through there. Things were going so well that in the late 1870s, she decided to have their own gas source put in so they'd have lights in the hotel. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I guess they had, like, lanterns, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, just candles and stuff like that. So they had their own gas source, so they would have lights. Now, see, I would love to see a hotel like that, just when you just had candlelight. Don't you think? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be cool. If you got one that's like on Hotel Impossible that aren't doing a good job paying their bill, you can still see them. Yeah, well, that's very true. (laughs) As Mary got older, it got a lot harder for her to run the businesses, as you can imagine. She wanted to give the hotel to her son, but he didn't want it. He said, I don't want it. Well, that is so rude. So she sold it to Major J.H. Campman in 1881. Oddly enough, he was the original contractor for the Mengers in 1859 when they had the place built. Okay, so that's okay. Yeah. He paid $118,500 for the hotel, which today would be roughly about $2.8 million. So I would say they were doing okay. Yeah. He bought all the furniture inside for $8,500, which would be about two hundred grand a day. Campman had big plans for the hotel. So the House of Lords Club over in London, England, had this beautiful bar that was made out of, out of uh, this fantastic cherry wood. 
and he had almost an exact duplication built at the Menger Hotel. It was the most elegant bar of its day mm. anywhere around there. I so love Cherrywood. It's been, it was so beautiful. The Menger Hotel was definitely the place to go stay anywhere in that area. October 15th, though, 1924, fire swept through the hotel doing extensive damage. It started in the kitchen, in the new addition to the hotel, and all of the beautiful wood that we talked about earlier would kind of be the hotel's downfall because the fire kind of leapt along the woodwork, and that's where it went, almost like a fuse. Oh, what a shame. It completely destroyed the third and the fourth floor. Luckily, though, a night clerk who had realized there was a fire, which they don't really know why, it's not like they had fire alarms back then, but he happened to somehow realize it, and he went door-to-door and woke up every single guest. Oh, bless his heart. And told him to get out. There was one guest, though, that was such a prick that he, as soon as he heard it, he kind of rushed out the door and knocked him down a flight of steps. Knocked two down. The, the, the guy that was clerk. killing him? Mm-hmm. But um, he was not seriously injured, so that well, part, thank gosh that for part that. was okay. Yeah. There were 101 guests at the hotel that night, and none of them were hurt. Oh, man. Lucky. That's not to say, though, that there weren't some injuries. The fire steam engine that was heading to the fire slammed into a streetcar. Two firemen, A.J. Ashbrook and W.R. Boyd, were injured, and three people were injured on the streetcar. Well, shoot. There was mention of a fireman that was found unconscious underneath the wreckage, but there was no mention of a death, so I'm not sure if that was one of the two that we just talked about well, or if that was just a third. not see each other? I don't get that. I don't know. Aw. Well, I mean, when you're rushing, I mean... Well, yeah, and I'm glad they, that nobody, hopefully... They said that the fire was one of the most stubborn and covered the entire block. Luckily, there wasn't much damage done to the original part of the hotel, though. Well, that's good. So most of that stayed undone. The Menger Hotel has been one of the greatest places to stay in all of Texas since it was built and still is today. So much so that a list of famous people to stay there is extremely long, but we're going to cover a few of them real quick. Two of the most well-known were Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant. Oh, very cool. They both stayed during Civil War fame. Famous authors, William Sidney Porter... Sidney Lanier and Oscar Wilde all stayed there. But probably the most famous from back in that era was Teddy Roosevelt. Him and his cute little glasses. Yeah, we're going to talk more about Teddy in a little bit. He's a big part of this. Let's first talk about Bill. You probably won't know who Bill is. I wouldn't expect you to. Bill was a circus performer. Not a circus performer. I guess more of a fair performer. I guess they're kind of the mm-hmm. same. But yeah. He was a performer. He didn't have the money to pay his bill, oddly enough, ironic, when it came checkout time. So he kind of snuck out without without paying. But he left a 750-pound alligator behind. For payment or just for what the hell? I don't know if he was just like, I can sneak out, but I can't sneak out trying to take an alligator. I don't know. <laughs> he should have hoisted him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so, Took the bed sheet and shot around him under his pits. <laughs> so anyways, he leaves it, and the hotel decided they can't get rid of it. They just So they decided to keep it, and they named him Bill. Where'd he keep it? They kept him in the atrium, and they even brought in other alligators so he wouldn't be lonely. Now look, how awesome is that? <laughs> 
The Menger started struggling again during the Great Depression in the 20s, but saw a resurgence during the 1940s. By this time, the Moody family now owned the, the property, and the place went through some major renovations, and some superstars of the time started to come and spend some time. People like Babe Ruth, Roy Rogers, and Mae West all stayed there during this Ooh. period. So I wonder if it's the same Moody's that owned the bank in Texas where we were. You know... It may very well be. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Because that was in Galveston. Yeah. I mean, it's... That could be possible. Quite a bit of ways away, but I, mean, but yeah. I would imagine... Yeah. Look at Morgan and Morgan. They're everywhere. And they're everywhere up in your face. So in 1980, the Menger became a state historic site. In 1989, it was listed on the National Trust for Historic Preservation. Good. Which is a big, you know, That's deal a for hotels. big deal, yeah. So before we talk about the paranormal aspects... I want to give the Mengers some credit for something they do that I thought was really cool. Every year, they have an annual Halloween and Christmas party for underprivileged children. No. So I kind of like that. I do, too. You can just tell that they're awesome people. All right. So is this hotel more haunted than the Jefferson? Let's take a look. Just how many spirits roam the halls of the Menger? Obviously, that's up for debate. But the number starts at 32, and it goes to 45 depending on how many people you talk to. I think the best way to describe it here is it's haunted as a mother. Jerry, shut your pie hole. Guests have reported beds levitating completely off the ground. Okay, let me stop you. Okay. Sometimes that could work out to your advantage if you're a maid cleaning. That way the bed <laughs> levitates and you can get all up under there. <laughs> right? It's got positives. Fair enough, but it would have to happen when a maid just happens to handily be there. Well, you need to say, hey, spirit, help a sister out and levitate this bed. (laughs) Some have heard some very strange rapping noises. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. We're just kidding. Love you, Mike. (laughs) 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 And then... There's been several other people that said that they looked into the mirror only to see a translucent face right next to their face in the mirror. Selfie time. (laughs) There's been reports of guests smelling cigar smoke in the non-smoking rooms. Lots of reports of heavy doors opening all on their own. Now, some of these places we talk about, they've got shy ghosts. The Menger Hotel isn't one of them. Who are these extroverted spirits? I thought that sounded cool. It did sound cool. Extroverted spirits. We have to start with Teddy Roosevelt. Now, Teddy loved it here. Loved the Menger. He came on three different occasions. Now, the very first time was in 1898. Now, you've probably heard about Teddy and his Rough Riders. Those are not the condoms. He probably had those, too, but I don't think they had those back then. What? Forhims.com. The Rough Riders were a group of men that Teddy recruited to fight in a Spanish-American war. So he came to the Menger and he set up a recruiting station, more or less, out on the patio. This was a hodgepodge group of people that they put together. Some were Teddy's college classmates from Harvard. Some were Native Americans. Some were Texas Cowboys, Rangers, just random guys that wanted to be a part of it. All came and volunteered. They got their nickname from a reporter in Washington, D.C., who called Teddy's Rough Riding Outfit. That was their official name. So they stayed in San Antonio for about a month. They must have left their mark uh, here in the town and left quite an impression because the locals had a different nickname for them. 
They called them Teddy's Terrors. Mm. I like the other name better. Yeah, well, it's catchy. Those who survived the war, including Teddy, had a reunion here at the Menger Hotel in 1905. Even though it's been over 110 years, many of the group like to spend time at the hotel. Teddy being the main one. He's almost always seen at the bar. Staff said it was more like he was a Kennedy. Huh. What? (laughs) (laughs) Staff says that he will appear near closing time, and he looks very much like a real person, but semi-translucent. Oh my gosh, I would love to see that. Teddy's the most frequently seen ghost at the hotel. He just sits there usually. Doesn't move, doesn't shift, just sits there and stares ahead. So the staff says that they always feel as if they're being watched when they're in the bar, but they never really feel scared or threatened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, there was this one time, though. There was this new employee. He was closing down. He was by himself. And he heard a noise behind him. So he turned around real quick. And there was Teddy just sitting at the bar doing what Teddy does, just looking ahead. Well, this employee hadn't been told about Teddy. I was just going to say, did they not warn him? <laughs> no, they did not. And he panicked. Oh, my god! And gosh. when I say panic, I mean panic. He ran to the door only to realize that they had locked him in somehow, some way. He takes both hands, balls him up into a fist, and he starts pounding on the door with the bottom of his fist. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. He's pounding on the door. Not really sure how long Teddy watched him or how long he pounded on the door. Until another member of the staff finally heard him and come down and started, because he started screaming. So they heard his screams and they ran down there. So they unlocked the door. Oh, let me rephrase that. The door was not locked when they got there. He couldn't get out because he said he was locked in. But when they got there, the door was unlocked. (laughs) The employee refused to go into the bar again and he quit shortly after. So, I wonder if he knew who he was looking at. I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, that's something to not know about it, then get the, the jeebus scared out of you, and then you if you actually know it's Teddy Roosevelt. I, mean, I don't think he would have cared. I don't know. That would be pretty cool. I'd be like, Teddy, is that you? Then I'd be like, can I get a picture? Yeah, can I get a selfie? <laughs> That is, you know what? I can't blame him. I'd be scared of that too. But how cool is that, though? Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is. He's got a story to tell. Did you run? No. I I don't don't think I would run run. either. So we said that Teddy usually sits and does nothing. Usually. He has been known on occasion to yell out at the staff. When, like, he'll be sitting there, for example. And he'll like, hey, bartender or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then as the employees approach him, they say he looks extremely real. He gets there and then he starts trying to recruit them to be a Rough Rider. (gasps) No way. That's kind of the story. So Teddy is still seen today, by the way, um, by most of the guests and employees that come. Not most of the guests. They don't most see him. But he's seen, you know, by most of the employees that have been there and by some guests. Gosh, how lucky. The next story is a sad one. Aww. Sally White. She worked at the Menger in the 1870s as a chambermaid. Everybody loved Sally, especially Mary Menger. This was back when she mm-hmm. still was running the place. She seemed to enjoy her work. 
She was all smiles while she was at work. Unfortunately, her home life wasn't quite as enjoyable as her work life was. She lived with a common-law husband by the name of Harry Wheeler. Harry was very jealous and abusive, Mm. unfortunately. He hated any attention that his wife would get. Very jealous of him. This caused constant arguing between the two, as you could imagine, because Mary was so nice that she got attention. Sometime, even in her workplace, he would come in and start fights. So everybody was aware of what kind of guy he was. Yeah, a dick. On March 27, 1876, Harry and Sally, it just now dawned on me their name was Harry and Sally. Yeah, Harry met Sally. Apparently. They were at their home. And one of their arguments just skyrocketed. Wheeler was so mad that he threatened to kill her. Sally ran out of the house. She ran down to the police department and she begged officers to help her in some way. So they let her stay at the courthouse that night and they went down to try to talk to Wheeler, investigate. They didn't find any kind of weapons. They couldn't, didn't have any evidence that he had threatened her other than her word. Mm hmm. So they really didn't have any reason to arrest him or anything like that. The next morning, Sally decided to stop by the house on the way home to work to pick up some things. When she walked in, there was Harry with a loaded gun. Sally ran out of the door. She ran down the street trying to get to the Menger, which was about two blocks away. She figured if she got there, she'd be safe. Wheeler followed her for, followed her for those entire two blocks. And as she got close to the hotel... He grabbed her by the throat and held the gun to her abdomen and shot her. She turned and wrestled her way away from him. And as she started to go away, he shot her right beside her spine. Oh, God. Sally was taken up to the third floor of the hotel where she died two days later. Aww. Harry Wheeler skipped town and was never arrested. Nobody knows where he went to. Great. Mary Menger loved Sally. So much that she paid for the casket and for the grave. Mm -hmm. The casket was $7. The grave was $25. The receipt is still in the lobby of the Menger Hotel today. Sally's ghost is seen there as much as Teddy Roosevelt's. Especially on the third floor of the original part of the hotel because that's where she died at. She apparently still loves working at the Menger because she's almost always seen clutching towels and sheets tight to her chest. Just as she did when she was alive and working. On two separate instances, guests have seen Sally walk through a closed door on one occasion with a wall or, and a wall on the other occasion with her hands full of either one. On the second one, uh, the guest had just gotten out of the shower. She saw Sally folding sheets at the end of the bed. And then she freaked out when she saw her walk through the, the, the wall. <laughs> and she ran to the front desk with just a towel around her, told them what she saw. <laughs> she was freaked out. Oh, my gosh. I would be, too. Sally is often seen in her maid uniform, a scarf tied around her head, and wearing a beaded necklace. Another popular ghost here is Captain Richard King. This is someone else who loved the Menger a lot during life. We mentioned earlier that... 
San Antonio was known for its cattle business, and that's where this is going to come into play a little bit. See, Captain's story is a true rags to riches type story. His family was a very poor Irish family living in New York. In the early 1800s, his family sold him to a wealthy New York jeweler as an indentured servant. Are you aware what an indentured servant is? No, I was trying to think about what it is. An indentured servant basically is like a slave, but you work for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. for room and board. Yeah. And then you're just kind of set free. So he would have maybe worked for this guy for five years or something like that, done everything he needed him to do. He would have got food. He would have got bored and, mm-hmm. and everything like that, you know, place to stay. Uh, and then once that time, whatever the time limit they agreed upon was over, then he would have been on his way a free man. Oh. So that's the difference between uh, an indentured servant hmm. and a slave. Did not know that. He hated it, though. He hated it so much that he stowed away on a ferry that was headed for the Mississippi River. He became one of the most successful businessmen of his time. He founded a steamboat company. He bought land in Corpus Christi, Texas. And then he started a ranch that eventually grew to be a million acres. And he was a cattle baron. That cattle baron business bought a cattle baron business, cattle business. Yeah. (laughs) That cattle business is what brought him to San Antonio very often for business. So much so that he had his own private suite on the second floor every time he came to the Minger Hotel. Captain, unfortunately, con- contracted stomach cancer. And when it, he was on his deathbed, he, was, he asked to be taken to his private suite in the Minger Hotel. Oh, man. And he didn't even live in San Antonio at the time. Yeah. He passed away in that suite on April 14, 1885. Hope he paid in advance, because they didn't have credit cards on file back then. Mm-mm. They held the funeral downstairs in the lobby, and they said it was one of the largest funeral processions ever held in San Antonio up to that point. He has been spotted on a regular basis ever since his death, usually in his suite that he passed away in. That room is known as the King Suite at the Menger today, so you can actually still stay there. Here's a fun fact for you. If you do stay in that room, you'll be sleeping in the actual bed that Captain King died in. Get out of here. Probably not the same mattress. Well, I would hope not. But the same bed is still there. Guests in that room feel that they are constantly being watched. One guest said that she woke up and saw his spirit sitting on the foot of her bed watching her. Several others hear heavy footsteps in her room. And the shutters also open and close with no one near them. <laughs> His apparition has also been seen walking down the hall of the second floor hallway and going in and out of closed doors. This is the weirdest part, though, that happens. There is a red orb that is only seen in his room or in the hallway right next to the door outside his room, but never anywhere else in the hotel. Now, I know we've talked about the colored orbs. What is, is, there, is there a specific meaning for that? I, I, don't, I don't know that there's a specific meaning for red. Now, this story is the strangest story to happen here, in my opinion. This was in 1890, and insurance agent by the name of H.H. Childers he came to the hotel from Austin, Texas. He gets to the hotel. He walks into the bar, 
walks up to the bar itself. He then pulls out a gun out of his holster and shot Jim Draper, who was a driver from San Antonio, and killed him. Nobody has a clue why he did it. He was arrested, sentenced to 25 years, but then it was appealed, and he was released on bond. But there's no documentation anywhere in the local papers that explain why he shot Draper, what what went on in the courthouse for reasons that were given, just what the, the actual sentence was, and that it was overturned, basically. And then this is the last story I've got for you. There's a mailing key clerk, which I'm not 100% sure what it is, what a mailing mailing key clerk is. Probably like on Andy Griffith. Well, well, I didn't know. Where they have the mail in the slots and the key to the hotel room? Uh, Maybe. So there's a mailing key clerk from Kentucky (gasps) who was visiting. Why don't we know him? He was 26 years old. Well, you were born that time. I wouldn't in 1890. (laughs) He was really sick. He checked in on September 7th, 1903. He took a knife and slit his throat. Oh, my God. Many more occurrences, way too many to mention. But that was just a taste of what you got at the Menger Hotel. So you can make your own decision if you think it's more haunted than the Jefferson Jefferson Hotel. So... Wonder if something evil made that guy go in there and shoot him. Who knows? Like a, I mean, it could very well be a situation where, I don't know, maybe maybe he knew that guy was because he said that guy was a driver. Yeah. So maybe that guy was having an affair with his wife or something. He found out about it and found out he was going to be there and follow him. I mean, it could be any number of things. Yeah. There's just any documentation, but I'm, you know, it, I mean, that's so suspicious. Why there there's no documentation and why did he do an appeal and then get out? Yeah, so I mean, and all I know is this guy came from Austin to San Antonio, which I believe is about a three-hour drive or something. It's not exactly close. And that's today, so that would have been longer back then. So, I don't know. It's just odd that he just randomly shows up there and then walks right in and kills somebody Mm. as soon as he gets there. Yeah. Not cool, dude. So, anyways... That's the story we got for this week. A couple of uh, announcements before we get out of here. Uh, we put on Facebook a couple of days ago that we were going to morph Hillbilly Horror Stories into four episodes a week, starting very soon, sometime before the end of the month. And uh, what we're going to do with that, we're going to have our regular show on Sunday. I hope you guys have been enjoying the Wednesday night episode with the Fear of the Week and then our special guest and us doing a short story. What we're going to do is we're still going to do the short story and have the special guest, but we're going to move the Fear of the Week to another night and do another short story. So you'll have short story, special guest on Wednesday, short story, Fear of the Week. And the Fear of the Week segment may get stretched a little bit longer than what it is, a little more... Uh, conversation back and forth on it so that and then we started doing a lot of um for those of you on patreon we do listener stories episodes every month had for basically almost about two years maybe a little longer than two years and those go over really well and we thought you know what maybe we can take a couple of stories and do one of those every week as well we're going to have special guests we're going to have you guys as the listeners call in and uh some of the best of the best stories we'll play one of those 
And then me and Tracy will read a couple of listener stories because we always have people writing in listener stories. Uh, but we'll read those and we'll do that. So you're going to get four episodes. And if this works well and we eventually get to where full time and we got a lot more time, we may end up going to a fifth or sixth episode somewhere down the road. Because I know people have mentioned doing cryptids one night, UFOs one night. Maybe we just make it one episode and some nights do cryptids, some do UFOs. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the plan. So we got at least four episodes coming to you by the end of the month. Going to start, and it's going to be a lot more work, but you guys deserve it, and uh, that's the plan. More episodes possibly mean more uh, a quicker time for us to go full time doing it. So hopefully, hopefully that's the plan. We appreciate you guys so much, and we just love that you support us in the way you do all the time with your kind words and everything like that so we i hope y'all know we when we say we love you guys we truly mean that yeah we we've got big plans for the future and you guys are responsible for most of the things that we would have only dreamt about years ago yeah true story so i mean tracy would have never thought of doing her hair pink no if it hadn't been for patreon responses of hey i wish you'd dye your hair pink yeah (laughs) (laughs) speaking of which we started the Patreon thing early, the lifetime uh, Patreon uh, pledges, and that has been overwhelmingly successful. We we thought what it being, we just decided to just start it early, and then do it, instead of doing it that one week, we're just doing it every day of January. Mm-hmm. So you've got till January thirtieth. Is that the last day of January? It's thirtieth, right? Thirty thirty first thirty. I think anyway, it's the thirtieth because the thirty-first was December. Yeah, so. Right. Uh, so the, you got all the way through that, and we started a couple of days early, and some, a lot of people have already taken advantage of it. So hopefully that gives everybody a chance to be able to get in there. So just go to our website and hillbillyhorrorstories dot com. It's right there on the front page. Can't miss it. Click on the link. It takes you straight to PayPal. Fifty bucks, and you have a lifetime over four hundred fifty episodes of Patreon shorts and two uh, twenty four more every single month going forward. Up over 50 of the full-length episodes and two of those every month going forward. And then 20% off discount for life. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So far, everybody, we've not heard any complaints. Everybody who's gotten it have all said they thought it was a great deal. So, Well, good. I'm glad they do. So, anyways, uh, now it's, I guess it's time to do our uh, Patreon and iTunes reviews. So, just hang tight. And our iTunes reviews this week came from Michael Ward. Thank you so much. Idol X One, Kevin Nerd, Annie Labe. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, honey. Prophet, Prophet, Spooky Sammy, eighty five, T W L C W zero nine, and Robbie Bobbert. Do we have something to say? Yes. On uh, if you can, you guys can read it if you want, but I didn't post it anywhere or anything. Prophet, Prophet, he's posted. I'm saying he because I'm assuming it might not be he, but a back to back weeks posted a review criticizing the show uh, for old stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for example, well, one it's not that old. Uh, one of the things he criticized was the show from October when we did the Watcher episode, mm-hmm. and there was one part in there. I met, granted. The commercial that was in there got it got cut in by accident mm-hmm. uh, in like the middle of a sentence or something. It's the only time it's happened in the show, um, or that I know of, that that's happened. And he came in, said he's been listening forever, 
and said he was unsubscribing because the commercial cut off mid-sentence on one episode. Yeah. Seems a little petty that if you've listened to the whole thing and you're up to episode 160 or whatever that was, there's one thing you didn't like, so you're just going to unsubscribe. That's, I mean, sucks, but I mean, I get it. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But then the following week, (laughs) he updated his review and complaining again about commercials. He doesn't like the fact that there's commercials in the middle. We should only put them at the beginning at the end. Look, we've had this conversation on here. We get it. We understand. We don't like doing them either. But if we're going to make this a full-time thing and we've got the opportunity, that's part of it. Now, his on his review, he said if you're going to do that, you should at least give somebody a paying option to be able to avoid the commercials. Uh, duh, um, we, if you would ev- listen. Every week we say for a dollar a month, you can go to Patreon and get every one of them commercial free. Every week we say that. Mm-hmm. You know, because we know not everybody likes the commercials, and that when we've made it as cheap as we can do it to allow that. Yes. Uh, so if you're listening, profit, profit. There is an option, and we've been talking about it for weeks. Ever yeah. since we so get off our nuts. <laughs> but ever since we put the commercials in uh, like that, when we first had that conversation, we said when we started adding them, we were going to give the dollar a week Patreon to yeah. automatically get well, it. So. I'm just messing with you. I just, I hate to lose a listener because we don't like that. And, you know, if you want to do the dollar a month, you don't have to get the commercials. Please come back and, you know, prescribe. We'd but, love to have you back. But at the same, did you say prescribe? Did I? I think you said prescribe. It's subscribe. Oh, uh, subscribe. <laughs> but But in fairness, in fairness, look. To to make a living podcasting is extremely tough. And when you sign contracts with places, they tell you what needs to be done and not done when it comes to commercials. It's yeah. not when we sign that deal, that's kind of out of our hands. Mm-hmm. So we do what we can to make it easier. Like I said, we don't love the fact of doing that. But at the same time, we don't go to anybody else's job that we don't know anything about and tell them how to do their job or what they should do or shouldn't. I don't go to McDonald's or and say, hey, you making the burger. I, I don't think you should use that type of you know microwave or that type of... I don't know anything about that. They they do what they do for a reason. That's a business that they've done forever and, and whatever. And, and in this business, if you're not a podcaster, you may not know all the reasons that people do what they do. Correct. You know, there's cost involved that most people don't know about. There's, you know, research. Fee- like, like Dina Marie, Twisted Philly. I'll bring her up. She spends a fortune on um, archive newspaper articles and stuff like that. For her research, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to have access to some of the stuff. Well, most people wouldn't even realize that that would even be a cost associated with it, but it is. And, you know, there's just a lot of books that get bought. I went the other day and bought um, a couple of books, and I spent $37 just on a couple of books that I I haven't even used yet. don't know when I'm going to use it, but it's just part of the library to have uh, for stuff like that. But so I mean, there's just a bunch of different costs, microphones and stuff. I can't even tell you this setup that we've got uh, just for recording. And it's not the best in the world. Trust me, it's not. We've spent over probably thirteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I know the guys from Ohio, their microphones cost almost three hundred dollars a piece just for the microphones, you know. 
mixers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so you know, we're it's trying a, to do the yeah, best we can for you guys. We're, so. we're doing what we can, and as you can see, we're giving back. And, I, and to be honest with you, we recorded some of this the other night, so I don't remember if I mentioned it. But we're getting ready to, within a couple of weeks, we're going to start doing four episodes a week on the, on the, the free feed. So, I mean, you know, and we're still both working and we, we're going to up it from one show a week. We went to two already and we're going to be doing four. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, that's that's kind of it. But in case I didn't mention it, like I said, Tuesday nights, we're going to do an episode that's going to be listener stories. Somebody calls in, tells us a story, and then Tracy and I will read a couple of stories. Then we're going to have the regular Wednesday night episode where we have a special guest and us doing a short story. Thursday nights will be another short story that we do and the Fear of the Week with author Leslie Fear. And then Sunday will be our regular um, show as it's always been. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we've added commercials, but guess what? We've also added three extra episodes. Yeah. To be able to try to give back to you guys. So we're not ever going to do anything without giving you something in return. Yeah. We can love you guys, and we hope you guys will keep loving us. Okay. And you've got some new Patreons. And before we get into the Patreons, uh, we've had so many of you guys take advantage of the lifetime that we've opted to thank you personally mm-hmm. and send you out uh, with the code a personal uh, thank you. And instead of giving it on here, because we didn't know if anybody really wanted their name put out for doing yeah. that or, or what. We appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know. It's so you're, awesome. Yeah, we're not going to mention those on the air. These will just be our regular ones, and you got yours uh, personally through Yeah, email. yeah. So thank you guys. All right. Candace Polio, Josh Trapedo, Jennifer Hubble, Jennifer Lawson, and Worst Crimes Ever. Thank you guys so much for your patronage. We appreciate y'all and love y'all so much. Awesome. We're so and, excited to do shows every week for you all, too. So Yeah, and, and like I said, this is the, the Sunday night show. I, we're, there's some, we switched hosting companies and went from, got away from our old to a new. We're switching back to the old because we weren't completely satisfied. And that's slowing us up a little bit on putting out these new episodes. I don't know if the uh, uh, a third or fourth episode uh, for the week will come out this coming week or if it'll be the week after but it's going to start really soon yeah so thank you guys so much and we'll see you probably wednesday sounds good have a great week